This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. Today we're starting a series called Going Deeper, and with this series, what we're talking about is we're saying that knowing God is more than just an hour on Sunday. You can't just go to church once a week and expect to know God. I mean, you could be saved, but it's not going to be a very strong walk with God. It's going to be something that you struggle with. And what we want you to get out of this is we want you, by the end of this series, to have an understanding of what it means to walk with God. What does it take to truly know God? Because it's more than just coming to church. It's more than just singing some songs, hearing a message, and going home. Knowing God is more than just an hour on Sunday. Knowing God extends further into the week. In fact, I would say that it's more important of what you're doing when you're not here. Because it's easy to come and sit down and shake your head and say amen and and smile and look all, you know, saint-like. And then go home and, you know, throw the halo off and cut someone out. Uh, if, if you just sit there and just smile, nobody will know it's you. So. <laughs> but uh, what we want is we want you to grow deeper in God because that's truly what it takes to live a victorious Christian life. Imagine if uh, they took a tall building, like say the uh, Empire State Building, and they were to put a foundation to where the fa- when they were digging the foundation, imagine if they only put a foundation about as thick as a sidewalk. Would that thing be able to stand? Would it be able to support the weight of the Empire State Building? It wouldn't. It would would crumble. The whole thing would collapse. The foundation is so important to the structure. You know, we want to grow up in God. But in order to grow up, we have to go down. We have to go deep. When you're putting in a building, if, uh, if anyone here has ever worked with construction or maybe just, you know, driving down the road, you see them, you know, there's construction going on all over Montgomery, and they're putting in a building. If it's a building that's going to have any type of height to it, uh, you know, like, say, three, four stories tall, and it's going to be a very heavy building, they can't just put down some foundation. They have to actually dig down in the earth. They have to excavate a good amount of feet. I mean, they have to pull out maybe like eight, ten feet out of the ground, pull out all the dirt, all the rock, take it all out just to have a foundation in there that can support the building. So they dig down deep, they remove it all out, they take everything out of there, and then they fill it back all up with rock. Now they put in not a bunch of different types of rock, but they put in the same type of rock for consistency. And even beyond that, they don't put the same type of rock with different sizes, big pieces and small pieces. They put in all little pieces, the exact same consistency and size and same rock. And then they'll put in, say, maybe about two feet, and they'll spread it out, and then they'll come in with, uh, uh, with a roller. And they'll roll over that thing, and they'll compact those two feet of rock really, really tight and solid. Then they'll come back in and they'll put another two feet of the stone and they'll spread that out and they'll roll over it and get it all compact. They'll come back and they'll put another two feet of the stone. They roll over it 
and compact it till by the time they're done, you've got eight, ten feet of these tiny little stones, but they're so tight, so packed in there that you couldn't even like, break it with a shovel. It's so tight, it's so compact, it's so hard. It can withstand weight. It can withstand pressure. Now they have something that they can actually put a foundation on. Now they have something they can pour cement onto. And that's what it's like with walking with God. You've got to dig down deep. You've got to excavate things. You've got to take some things out. And then you've got to put some things in. You've got to push it down in there. You've got to pack it in tight in order to have a strong foundation that will last you a lifetime. We're going deeper with God in this series. And uh, today we are talking about the act of worship. What does it mean to worship God? What does it mean to truly worship? And, you know, a lot of people would say, if I were to ask you, what does worship mean? You'd probably say, well, you know, it means, uh, you know, singing songs to God. That's what it means. It means to sing a song to God, to what we just got done doing. And yes, that is one of the acts of worship. But it goes beyond that. That's not all that worship encompasses. And today what we're going to talk about is what does worship look like in your life Monday through Saturday? When you go home, when you're at work, when things are really hitting you, when the bills are in your face, when creditors are calling, when your kids are driving you crazy, when you can't stand your boss, when your marriage is falling apart, when the person driving next to you is flicking you off, what does it truly look like to walk with God? What do you do? How do you strengthen yourself during that time? Because just one hour of church a week is not going to cut it. So we're going to turn to, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John, chapter 4, verse, uh, we're going to start on verse 3. And uh, if you're reading from your, your iPhone or uh, if you have the Version Bible app, I'm reading for the New Living Translation if you want to read along. And it says, uh, talking about Jesus, it says, So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I remember when I was studying for this, I was reading, I kind of stopped there, and I just thought, I was like, picturing it in my mind, and I was imagining Jesus, Jesus, you know, because we always picture Jesus, you know, he's, he's Jesus, you know, he's just, he's cool, calm, collect, you know, doesn't break a sweat or whatever, you know, he's Jesus, he's cool, good under pressure, but here he is in this image, I mean, he's just, it's so humanistic, it, it's, it's not that, uh, deity-like characteristic that we want to kind of picture him in our mind with, you know, this little halo going everywhere he goes. He was all God, but he was also all man. So here he is. He's been walking a long ways, and it's hot. It's the middle of the day, and it says that he sat wearily beside the well. I just, I just, I don't know. That just kind of, I was like, wow. That's really cool, just picturing Jesus just like probably just soaking wet with sweat. He probably smelled bad, you know what I mean? I mean, he was a dude, and, you know, he's 30 years old, and he's got a long hair and a beard, so he probably really smelled bad. <laughs> but he's sitting there leaning up this, against this well, and he's just like, oh, man, 
so hot. So here he is. He's leaning up against this well, and it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to, to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this is a well that is very deep. Where in the world would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus was speaking of figuratively, and she took him literally. And so she, was, she wasn't getting what he was saying. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, she said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come back to get water here. She still doesn't get it. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Well, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. Talk about baggage. Wow. Elizabeth Taylor. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. The Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is a spirit, and so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, give you a little backstory. As she said, uh, she, a Samaritan, uh, she was really shocked that Jesus was even speaking to her because Samaritans uh, and Jews hated each other. They couldn't stand each other. Uh, Samaritans were considered kind of like half-breed by the Jews. Uh, it was a very racial tension situation. Uh, the Jews were racist against the Samaritans. And it was just, you know, we're not going to have anything to do with the Samaritans. Because when God gave Moses the law, the Jews were instructed to only breed, to only mix with Jews, not to mix with other races. And the Jews at one point were taken as slaves and were taken captured. And their enemies, in order to humiliate them, forced the women to breed with them, to, to, to you know, have children, to bear their children. And so their children were mixed race. 
And so years later, now the Jews you know, aren't slaves anymore, it's almost like this dark area of their past that they don't even want to remember. They don't even want to think about it. And the Samaritans are a really, for them, a bad reminder of it. And so they just look at it as, let's just stay away. You stay in your village, we'll stay in ours, keep our distance. But here's Jesus, he's on his way, and he's got to make his way to where he's going. He has to kind of pass by this city, and he goes and stops at this well, and it's a Samaritan village right by. So the Samaritan woman comes, and that's why she was so shocked when, she talked, when he talked to her. She was like, whoa, why are you even talking to me? Well, he starts to read her mail, and she thinks, okay, this guy knows a lot about me, so he must be a prophet of some kind. And she starts asking him some questions, trying to change the subject to where it's not on her anymore. She starts asking him, okay, so what's the deal with why the Jews, you Jews believe that the only place that you can worship God is in Jerusalem? And we Samaritans believe that the only place you can worship God is here at Mount Gerizim. So what's the deal with that? If you're a man of God, tell me, what's the correct answer? And Jesus, basically, what he was replying, he said, look, that may be the way that things are now, but something's happening. Something's about to happen. And then he said, in fact, it's actually happening right now because I'm here. Things are changing. And a time is now here where it won't matter where you worship. Worship is not someplace you go to worship. It's what you do. Instead of a matter of a place, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of who you are on the inside, what's going on inside of you. And that's what Jesus was talking about, because no longer would it be that you have to go to this specific location in order to worship God. Now God is going to be able to live inside of you. God is a part of who you are. God is something that is, he, he, he's always with you. He's not located in one spot that you have to go see him. He's everywhere you go. Jesus said, I am always with you. So worship is not something that's uh, uh, restricted to Sunday morning. Worship is not restricted to church. In fact, worship is something that you need to be doing every day in your life. There are three areas of worship that I want to talk about. And the first one is what we consider worship when we think of it, which is singing songs to God, singing praises to Him. The second one would be prayer. Prayer is an act of worship. And then finally, giving. Giving is an act of worship. And these are three things that show a heart for worship. When uh, you look up the definition of worship, it says that it's an act of adoration towards something means to adore it. Kind of like when a man is in love with a woman. He, he adores a woman. He's so in love with her. He wants to sing a song to her. He wants to write a poem. Or, or he just, even if he's terrible at it, you know, he, he wants to just do something for her. Because he's so in love with her. He adores her. David, he... As a kid, before he was even king, when he was working in the fields as a, as, as a young teenager, working in the fields as a shepherd, he would just sing songs to God. He would read scripture. And he would worship God. 
just because. He would do it on his own time. When he was just working, he was just worshiping God. It wasn't something that he felt that he had to do in a specific place. God loved that about, about David. And that's what worship is. When you adore God so much that you want to just, you want to do something for him. You love him. The second act of worship would be prayer. Prayer is an act of worship. If we were to take a test today and be graded on our prayer life, very few of us could say, you know what, I, I, I think I'd get an A. I'd get an A+. Plus. I, I don't even think I'd get an A+. Plus. You know, none of us would say that prayer is something that's not important. I mean, I, I don't think that anyone here hopefully would say that prayer isn't important. Prayer is very important. Prayer is a huge part of walking with God. But the crazy thing is, if we find prayer to be so important, why is it that prayer is an area that so many Christians really, it's, they don't even have a grasp of it. They, it's not a big part of their life. Why do so many of us struggle to have a prayer life? Prayer life is very vital. In Psalm 76, verse 1 through 3, David wrote, God is honored in Judah. His name is great in Israel. Jerusalem is where he lives, and Mount Zion is his home. So he's talking about, this is where, you know, like I was talking about, uh, with uh, the way the Jews believed that, hey, this is where you worship God. This is where God resides. It's over here on this mountain. So David is saying that, and then he says, There he has broken the fiery arrows of the enemy, the shields and swords and weapons of war. David is saying that when you worship God, when you're there and you're praying, that's where you win the battles of your life. The battles of your life, the things you're going through right now, the the bills you can't pay, the kid that you just, you don't know what's going on in their life, you don't know what to do, they're so far off track, and you've been crying out to God for so long. That's where the battle is won. Those battles are won in your prayer life. What are you doing on Monday? What are you doing on Tuesday? What are you doing during the week to win your battles? Are you praying? Are you spending time with God? Are you reading your Bible? Or you just reserve that for Sunday and hope that everything in your life works out great? Because in my experience, that doesn't work out too well. It doesn't. Prayer is a very vital part. And we're going to be doing a series on prayer later on where we're going to go deep into the specifics of how to pray and and how to win these battles. But prayer is very vital. If there are things in your life, there's something that's going on right now that you need, pray about it. Pray about it. God says to remind him of his word. God says to tell him of what your needs are. Now, I find this kind of strange because I, as a father, would, you know, I mean, my kids, if I know their need, I'm going to take care of it. They don't have to ask me. My kids don't have to, you know, tell me that they need to brush their teeth. or Well, they definitely wouldn't tell me that. But my kids don't have to, you know, 
if my kid has a need, if I see it, I'm going to take care of it. I'm not going to say, well, I, I, you know, uh, my kids can't drive, but, you know, when my kids are older, if I see that, you know, their tire is getting low, I'm not going to just see that and go, well, hopefully they'll fix it. They're my kids. I'm going to take care of them. So that's why I find this verse kind of strange where God says, you know, that whatever your need is, you need to tell them. But here's a reason. Because God isn't the God of this world. God created this world. But when he put Adam in place, he put Adam, he put a man in charge of it. And man had dominion over the whole earth. And he said, this is yours. It's yours. I made it for you. But man gave it away. And now there's another God over this earth, the devil. He is the God of this earth. That's what the Bible says. And so that is why we have to tell God, here's what I need. God, this is what I need. And God says that if you will ask, that he'll give it to you. Paul says to pray without ceasing. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think that meant like, you just, you're always praying, you know. And I was just like, man, how does that even work? You know, you're just like walking around, just like, thank you, Jesus. Hey, what's up? Thank you, Jesus. You know, what do you do? Like, how does it work? But that's not what Paul meant. Paul didn't mean that you're just spending every waking minute praying. What he meant is when you have something that you're believing for, don't just say a prayer and be done with it. Keep knocking. Keep coming before God. Keep bringing that to God. Because you know what? There is a God over this earth. And although our God is more powerful, there's still a war. There's still a battle. And we play a huge part in that. And if you're just going to expect to be able to sit back and relax and not fight, you're going to lose. Bad things are going to happen. Worse things are going to happen. And there'll be no light at the end of the tunnel. Now, bad things happen to everybody, but the thing is, when we know that we have God's power on our side, and when you're pushing through, when you have faith, and you're believing and you're using scriptures to pray, God is going to come through. You can know that. You can be certain of that. That's what faith is. Faith is believing God's promises before you see them. I don't have to see that God is going to do something. I know that he's doing something. It's kind of like Channel 8. Channel 8 News here in Montgomery. It's on right now. Somewhere in the air, Channel 8's frequency is flying through air. Now, I don't see it. It would be very easy for me to say, well, no, it's not on. Uh, Channel 8's not doing anything because I don't see it. They're broadcasting. I'm just not receiving. I have to do something to receive the signal. I have to turn on my television, turn to that channel in order to receive what they're doing. God's doing something. Are you doing what you need to do to receive it? What are you doing to receive what God's doing? And then what God is doing, there's more that he wants to do but you're the gatekeeper of what he's doing in your life. Who are you letting through the gate? 
And finally, giving. Giving is an act of worship. No one is a natural born giver. No one. We're all natural born takers. <laughs> It'd be very awesome if we were all born natural born givers, but it's not true. A two-year-old could be playing with a toy, and they don't even care about the one that's over there, but the moment they see another kid wanting to play with that toy, no, no, that's mine, that's mine. I want to play with that. I changed my mind. We're all born takers. We think about ourselves. We're born babies. They're crying. The baby that's crying right now, he's not thinking about me. He's not thinking about you. He's thinking about himself. That's how we're born. And that's how we'll stay unless we change. We're all natural-born takers. But we have to learn to give. We have to make a choice to give. You give because something higher than you, somewhere or another, made an impression on you. It touched your life, touched your heart. A new set of thinking that wasn't your own dropped into your head somewhere or another. You heard, you saw it, you learned it. But none of us are natural-born givers. We're all natural-born takers. So we have to choose to give. God doesn't need our money. That's not what it's about. God is, has the wealth in all the world. If God was in need of your money, do you really think he'd be asking for 10%? <laughs> he'd be asking for all of it. But God's only asking for 10%. Now, there are some people in here that their 10% could make a big difference in things. It is a good bit of money. But there are some people, you're thinking, Man, my 10% is like, is not even worth the effort of putting it in the envelope. It's not going to make a difference. My 10%, I mean, what's five bucks going to do? God's more concerned about you. When you give, there's something inside of you that is making a selfless decision, that's saying, you know what? It's not all about me. It's not about what I need. It's not about what I want. But it's about God. God, this stuff is really important to me. Money is very important to me. Money's not evil. A lot of people misquote the Bible on that and say that money is the root of all evil, and that's not what it says says the love of money is the root of all evil. Greed is the root of all evil. Money is very important. I need this to survive. That's the world we live in. If I don't have this, I go hungry. My kids go hungry. I don't have a house. My family's homeless. I need this. It's very important to me. But even when I need this and I I'm concerned that if I don't have these things that I might lose my house, my car. I still need to give. In fact, that's the, the best time to be giving. Because that's when it shows the most that it's not about me. It's not about what I need. It's about what God wants to do inside me. When you do that, it's an act of worship. You're saying, God, I love you so much. I adore you. I love you more than myself. And so I'm going to give to you because it's not about me. But you know what's awesome? As much as you love God, God loves you more. 
God loves you more than you'll ever understand, more than you could ever comprehend. God loves, God loves me more than I love my kids. And I love my kids. Oh my goodness. My wife and my kids are the most important people on the whole earth, in my opinion. But God loves me more than I love them. God loves them more than I love them. God wants to bless you. But God can't bless you if you're not doing what you need to do. God can't bless you if you're pushing his hand away, if you're not worshiping him, if you're not growing in him. How's he going to bless you? You give, and you say, God, it's all about you. It's not about me. And God says, now that is someone I can work with. That's someone that I can use. Because with the little bit that I have given them, they've done awesome with it, and I'm going to do more with them. Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring into your lap. That's a promise from God. When you give, it's going to be given back to you, but not just what you gave, way more than you gave. God can do more with 10% than I can do with the 90% I keep. And I need God to do something with that 10%. Because it feels like the 100% is not even enough. We're going to be talking about going deeper in this series. Going deeper in your walk with God. Going deeper in your relationship with God. And if you want to see God do amazing things with your life, if you want to see miracles, go deeper. I want to invite you to go deeper with me on this journey. No matter where you are, if you've been following God all your life, or if you just started walking with God, I want to invite you on this journey with me. Let's go deeper. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.